0: All right, hello and welcome to the Outer Space Games Podcast, episode 26. So we're two years in, 26 episodes. Um, you do the math, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tons to talk about. Uh, we're still going at it. Anyways, my name is Jay. I'm David. I'm Dean. And I'm Sean. I work a lot on Sunday, so it was a really, really busy day, and it was just kind of not the greatest day, all right? Was, so you were grumpy? Basically, yeah.
1: <laughs> Isn't that every day? Way. Yes, that's every day. Yeah,
0: but... <laughs> so getting to the the end of the day, I got a text from one of the listeners, Oh. And, and all he said was, oh my God, and I'm like, yes, I knew what was happening. So on this particular day, a certain awards show was on, and... <laughs> it just suddenly it just made my whole day delightful and i was just
1: yes you know. so the most important thing was not the wrong envelope being read for best picture
0: now we can officially address this particular movie as oscar winner suicide squad
1: oh my
2: god
3: surpassing
2: transformers which was just nominated correct yeah. so
3: I didn't even stay up to watch the entirety of the Oscars. I stayed up just for that one category. And...
2: <laughs> then you went to sleep depressed. Did you cry <laughs> yourself to sleep?
3: I mean, I wasn't... I was just numb. I was just like, <laughs> seriously, with this right now? Like, I can't believe there wasn't a movie more deserving than Suicide Squad. Literally any other movie. <laughs> yep. Welcome <clears throat> to Trump's America. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the
0: to, Anyways, um no, I was so happy. So we can we can look forward to seeing that, you know, on the on the building for the next uh, the next movie in DC's
1: Oscar wouldn't you see that <laughs> oh my god. Well if you look at it though, like Marvel Studios does not have any Oscars. Like Spider Man's by Sony. Spider Man might have had some awards and then Warner Brothers has had some past awards with the older uh superman and batman so it
3: is that's true yeah i still haven't seen suicide squad no no um, it, it's it's gonna have to come to like hbo or something soon right so i i think it you live someday. in a better world than
1: i do <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> i don't know i watched the extended version didn't really change anything Dang. nope <laughs> i kind of want to watch it again i don't know
0: well was there more joker in it yeah. Yeah. Did it help? Jim no. Yeah. No. So I'm sure you've seen Dave. He he's got a tattoo on his forehead. It says "damaged." God. That's that's what won the Oscar. Right <laughs> that's there. Probably put it over <laughs> the top. Yeah. I get his character now. He's damaged.
2: Oh, Ooh.
0: Does see? he have
3: "ha
2: ha ha" tattooed on him too? <laughs> yes, he does. Oh yeah. my God. His tattoos everywhere.
0: So. That was our exciting news for the week. I don't know. So Jared's not here with us today. He actually just had a baby a few days ago. So priority is Jared.
2: Technically, his wife had the baby. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All the pictures I've seen of Jared so far are him sleeping. So <laughs> yeah, working real so hard. Jared, you did not You have contributed enough. Um. But yeah, baby number two. Congrats. I guess. Um. <laughs> <coughs>
2: is a stock supporter
0: of yes. his friends. <laughs> I got two kids too. My kid just had a birthday. Anyways. <clears throat> no, he's probably excited. Like he he narrowly avoided the uh St. Patrick's Day baby. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that would just be like Yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah. That would just guarantee a future alcoholic in the family?
0: I mean, yeah.
1: They are his genes. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: No, we've been playing actually a lot of games, or a lot uh, for for us <laughs> in in the the recent weeks. I don't know which one do you
1: want to start with? We've all played Pandemic. Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, the number one game on Board Game Geek.
0: Uh, it's it's high up there. I mean, Pandemic I think is considered the the best cooperative game, or at least the the most popular one for sure. And just what they've been able to do, I mean, obviously the the hype has been there. There's been a lot of talk about the Legacy games, but I think having experienced, and we're not, we're by no means uh, through the campaign, but having experienced, I guess, a little bit of this, you know, the Legacy nature of it, really, I think it is exciting in the board game world.
1: Yeah, it it adds, like, further tension than just the vanilla version, so... It's like you know you're going to get screwed, but you don't know how, and you know it's coming. And then it hits sometimes when you don't expect it to, and you have a groan, but you also, like, you're all laughing because
3: you know what you're facing. I mean, it is nice that it's cooperative because you get to experience that together and as opposed to on different teams. But I think... This is the only legacy game I played, but it adds an interesting dynamic because even in video games, you can quick save and save and stuff like that and go back and kind of redo something if you mess it up. But like Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in this, it's um, you can't really like you do something and that affects your game. For as long as you choose to play, you know that game, um, which is, I guess, an interesting experience. Like I don't play my video games mm-hmm. that way, so you yeah, know, with the exception of actual life, I don't really experience things in a way that your decisions continue to affect you as you do something. Well, I have a DeLorean that
1: and... time travels, so that's how I live my life. <laughs> I thought you
3: were talking about Tom Cruise last time. Oh no! no both you time got, I gotta go um, to
1: something new every single
3: time. It's Bill and Teds next time. But Tom Cruise is a little better than having Delorean. He can just kind of.
2: Really, you would pick Tom Cruise over Delorean?
3: Yeah, that's what you're saying right yeah, now. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't just reliving one day. I mean, the dude it? threw a
0: magazine away and <laughs> look what happened. Yeah, come on. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Some crazy consequences. But um. Anyways. No, I know we've talked about the the legacy mechanic. I think. I mean, it's been all over the the board gaming world, but I I feel like there's so many ways to explore it. You know, what really works about Pandemic Legacy is that it's attached to a solid game. Now, I'm not saying that if you if you hate Pandemic that you this will make you love it. It's still Pandemic, right? But I think maybe um, some problems with with other games that are trying this legacy thing is that they. You know, we talked to about it um, on the Star Wars episode, but it feels like some designers are withholding elements or mechanics from the game.
1: Well, is actually, it's like the same designer, Rob uh, Davion, He
0: I know, but there, there are other games out there like that, like um, Scythe, things like that, but oh. just
1: develop over this,
0: this campaign and stuff. Notice. But I think one of the, both Risk Legacy and, and Pandemic Legacy, what really worked for them is that it it was a game that was already published and is successful on its own before they decided to add other mechanics to it. Yeah. So it felt fully, I don't know, it felt like a full game. You weren't, like, gypped of anything.
3: Yeah. No, and that's a a good comparison would be to certain video games that... Like the level 30 cap? And yeah. Destiny. Or, who, you know, they just release they release a game and they hold back parts of that original game and then make you... Pay for it essentially. Where you take a game like The Witcher Three, they create a whole game and then release DLC. You know, then an add-on to the original story, Mm -hmm. not parts of the original story that were left out.
1: And they don't
0: charge more for it.
3: Okay, back to you. (laughs) No, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it. It is because I think there's discussion also. Well, should you even buy Vanilla Pandemic and the expansions and stuff? I think so. Yeah. And especially if you have different gaming groups, right? For instance, like an RPG group who plays through a campaign, you know, heavily involved in their in their stories, in their characters, in their stories over this long process. That's that's more akin to this legacy type of game. While people who just want to get together for a one shot, you know, I still pull out Pandemic for, you know, people new to board games um, and sit down and play a game with them.
1: Dean took my copy. Yep. I'm okay with Which that. Which
0: was mine. Anyways, uh now nah,
2: it's mine. No, <laughs> you nope.
0: But um f- <laughs> <laughs> I think sitting down to play Pandemic for the first time and playing Pandemic Legacy wouldn't necessarily be the the best way to go about it. I feel like you should have us have played
2: Pandemic before or
0: play it without any legacy rules, so no. You know, tiny spoiler, like rioting or, or anything like that. um
2: But no, it definitely helps to make the legacies part of it more interesting and makes it special. So I remember the the differences and when Jay was explaining them when we played the legacy version. It's like, oh, okay, this will make it more interesting, a little bit harder, and definitely add to to the lengthy campaign a lot more. I can and that like that made me realize how it was gonna be more interesting instead of just playing the same board game twelve times.
0: Well, and I, I like it because it, it's almost right from the beginning. Like things are different. Like forget kind of what you know. Mm-hmm. The stakes are higher, and maybe more difficult.
1: But at the same time, you're more you're more seasoned because you already yeah. played vanilla. So yeah, like you need it. You need it like heightened and a, a bit harder to yeah. to have the challenge. So it's not like
0: a, we haven't actually played. We've only. You guys have only played one month, Dave and and Dean and and Jared. Um, Sean and I have have played... Two
1: months. Two months, basically.
0: (laughs) So anyways, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Um, If there's anything else to discuss about it, I think it's maybe... Obviously, not every game should be legacy style, right? I think there's a lot of good things about this this design, but you can still have, I don't know, campaign-style games or playing through a story without maybe the... And even unlocking things as you go, right? Mm. Which actually can lead us to Mechs vs.
2: Minions. Well, that's it then. Let's go outside and we'll begin the final exam. Wait, that's it? Yep. It's an accelerated curriculum. Seriously? Last miss.
0: Mechs vs. Minions, though, we've all had a chance to play at least a little bit. Dave has only played the tutorial. Tutorial, yeah. Um, so it's a. I guess we'll we'll redescribe it if this is your first episode. Um, <laughs> Basically a cooperative game where you program in commands to move and and attack to basically perform actions with your... Mechs. Yeah, mechs. So you essentially have six slots. You'll draft different cards that let you attack or move or turn. And then you have to carry out those commands each turn. So depending on how you slot them, basically it it looks like a a drunken robot walking around Mm -hmm. with, with very little control of what you're actually doing, trying to eventually find your way to your objective. I think... What really works about the game, or what's really interesting, is that it's a cooperative game where there's not much quarterbacking at all.
1: Yeah, with the whole timer and picking out your moves and then just getting swarmed with minions, you don't have time to quarterback other people. You you have to worry about yourself and not dying. Yeah.
0: I mean, if we're going to compare it to Pandemic
1: or some of these other classic cooperative
0: games, what? What makes the quarterbacking easier is that everyone has the same basic actions so you're like oh i know this is what is available to you so i'm going to tell you what to do well in mx versus minions it's so hard to even keep track of like what you're doing so it's essentially you're you're in charge of your own mech.
2: and especially when you get damaged you don't know how what damage cards affect which player and then everything's out of order or different things don't work anymore
0: It's a nifty thing. So I was mentioning like, this is a campaign style game. And there are 10 missions. And each one is sealed in a different envelope. And as you open envelopes, you'll have different objectives. And they kind of walk you through what you're doing. And so far, um, we've only played through a couple of them. But it's also unlocking new mechanics. Now you can do this or enemies now react in this way. Or you unlock different abilities, which are new cards and stuff. So in some ways, it feels like, I don't know, like cracking open. It keeps the game fresh, even though it's like a glorified tutorial in some ways, right? Well, or think about it. Maybe playing through a video game, your first few levels, well, you know, before you've purchased all your upgrades and stuff, like the game is still fun. You you have a lot of the mechanics, but maybe you can't, I don't know, double jump or like do all your your abilities you'll have at the end game, so... By releasing it slowly, yeah, it's like leveling up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that means that the the replay value is diminished in the future. Because at least with this game, there's no in Pandemic Legacy. You destroy cards, you destroy things, put stickers on it, alter it permanently. With this game, it's more you add in certain elements, or you can take them out um, if you want to replay like a earlier mission with with limitations. And as far as I know, there's a like a new game plus, so you play through it on a harder difficulty and and things like that. So
2: that's good. You get more value for your money then.
0: Yeah, going back to my earlier point though, the base game, the core game, is still fun because I think mm-hmm. it has to be more than just oh we'll throw objectives on it or if we just unlock something every time you play, you'll like it more because I think these are some of the complaints we've been seeing about Seafall, right? Yeah. People are like, well, I feel like we can't can't do enough on our in the earlier games. Like you have to play five games of it until you're really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, that I think that just takes careful design and testing for the for that kind of like balance where you're where you're satisfied and you don't feel like something's missing. Like you won't need you won't need to know of other mechanics until they're revealed. Yeah.
0: It just got me to thinking like Remember uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night? You start that game like superpower and like all these crazy abilities and you're basically decked out and then you lose everything. And I remember like hating that first, you know, <laughs> yeah. that run through the castle or, or, you know, the first parts of it because you're like, I can't I can't do anything. I can't even dash. Like,
1: Yeah, the Castlevania games, like, I think it forces you like in the beginning to make sure you... You have the um, skills developed, like platforming and then um, attacking and whatever, dashing. So you you have to learn those mechanics before they give you the um, the super powered weapons and stuff. Because like Endgame, you're you can basically just like walk around and people just die because you have like you know spinning stuff or
3: auto attacking weapons. Without seeing the particular issues that people are having with. Seafalls, I said. I don't know. I mean, maybe that is a feature of what the game designers wanted, that you have to play a certain amount of time maybe to understand it. Because even thinking about a legacy game, if you play it for the first time, and having played games where we didn't quite know the rules, what happens in a game that is continually changing, where what you do has an effect on the next game you play, if you're playing it wrong, you know, like maybe it's not necessarily a bad idea to have to play without something until you understand it, and mm-hmm. then that can be naturally built into the game. Like, I don't know if that was the issue with what people were saying, but
0: doesn't sure. necessarily
3: have to be a bug. I
0: mean, we see it in game design, like Cthulhu Wars or, or anything, even even magic, I would say, right? You have a constantly evolving battlefield where you have your earlier actions are leading to more powerful interactions later on. Right, Cthulhu Wars, you have you have six spell books, right? And as they unlock, you're like, wow, these are really powerful abilities. So it's looking forward to that, looking forward to what's coming up. But I think it, it does boil down to whether or not the game is fun at its at its core and everything. It almost, um, minions, I don't know, Mex of Minions, I think there's a lot of things to like about it. I wish, I feel like they can do a lot of things. I mean, they give you 100 minions, right? You know, with, with all these components, basically, I just wonder what else they can do with that. I almost wish that there was going to be an expansion to it. Which is, I guess, asking a lot when your your base game is 80 100 bucks 100 retail, right? Yeah. And, they, and they're basically producing that at, at cost, so they, they barely... They might
1: be taking a loss. Yeah. But you also haven't finished the game, so you don't know what else. It's, they, it's true. They've uh, done... But just in mechanics. terms of what
0: what you can i guess see from from what's in the box i feel like man it would be cool to have new characters or have just different things
2: mini games i don't know well that's when video games each level has a different ma- like grunt you know there's like, there's like a step up there's a different character that's you beat up on until you get to the boss so if you only have minions for the whole entire campaign it can get kind of redundant tedious yeah
0: or even different ways to to build them so um there was a there was a kickstarter it's kind of an indie i guess publisher there's a game called a deep space d6 kind of a solo game uses dice with different designs on them to signify different things but basically he did a kickstarter where it was i'm going to use this the same core set of dice and design 100 games using that and it's just interesting i mean you have this basically, if this is your sandbox, essentially, these six symbols, we're actually going to give you 100 of them, like however many sets of, 20 sets of five or whatever. Whatever. I don't know if that's, <clears throat> that's the actual numbers, but using that, we're going to create, or actually one person is going to create as many <laughs> games as I can. So some of those might be multiplayer, single player, different types, you know, and I, I think Maybe the the venture in itself is, is interesting, just, like, what can you craft out of that? And it gets me thinking to, like, what we can do with literally 100 plastic minions. Like, you know, they are different poses. I don't know. But there's, there's just different things. I feel like there's possibility to grow. That may be just because I, I like the design aspect of it. Some people are just, like, happy to sit down and, and play it. And when it's done, it's done.
1: Yeah, some people are fine with abstract cubes that are colored different.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, you should definitely sit down and play the the full game sometime, Dave. It's very, uh, you have 100 minions for a reason. I mean, you you do use quite a bit of them.
3: Okay. Yeah. I mean, the tutorial is just like, break some gems. I think, like, four gems or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, mean, I still liked it. Like, like, to me, it feels like deck building. You know, your person has a certain you know special ability or whatever something they do really well and so when you pick your abilities like you can do that with that in mind so it feels like you're take resident evil for example if you choose like krauser i think in the expansion or something like that you know you focus on knives or something like that or you know so i like that aspect of it yeah
0: no that's a good point because i think you are trying to thin out and make like (laughs)
3: <laughs> make your mech somewhat
0: controllable so by the end you're like i can do these things well until i take damage and then <laughs> toss it out the window i don't know i'm sure we'll come back to it in the future never <laughs> anyways I don't know. dean you didn't say much about it did you want
2: to i mean it's really simple to understand and pick up so it's a i think it would be an easy game to introduced to people who are new to tabletop gaming the the artwork is also fun so that and 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 the little figures are you know they're creative
0: that's actually a good point um i feel like the maybe getting into the theme or the world a little bit helps the mechanics of it in some ways like it's it's very quirky very there's like a three minute tutorial video that, that teaches you how to play and after that you can really dive into the game and yeah. just follow follow the rule book but i like you guys all watched it and i i played it um
2: i would highly recommend watching it it works yeah you
0: because know. then when we played it with someone who, who didn't i think maybe they're expecting something different you know what i mean mm-hmm. like this looks like maybe highly evolved mm-hmm. steampunk or oh. refined you know instead of this little
3: it's like metal slug exactly they have
0: know? I just think about this, like, overheating, clunky... Anyways,
2: um... It was, like, kind of cartoonish, and I can even imagine younger audiences being able to get behind it, too. Not just... And, and older, like, we all enjoyed it, I'm assuming. And then something... Once, once the child can understand game mechanics to that level, they could probably get behind it, too. And it's... It works. And it's fun. Yeah. And it's... it's Because it's more cartoonish, it's lighthearted. So... If you're feeling more, they, if you're not looking for a serious world-ending game, you can play something like this, like, eh, hey, let's have some fun, you know, kill some time. and For sure. And I, I think it, it. you
0: bring up a good point. So when we were talking about it last time, I remember Mike, um, he was like, well, do you want it? Would you rather have the game, like, be League of Legends where you're playing characters and stuff like that? I'm like, no, not necessarily. What makes League of Legends fun, I think, is that each character being really unique, um... And then landing your abilities and stuff at the, the right time. You know, it's this highly, like, macro play that's really interesting. But what they've done with Mechs Minions is, is take this, this chunk of the world where it still fits in and you see how it's related, but who made it unique in its own way. And I think that's a good way of doing it, right? If you can't replicate the experience of the video game in a way that translates to a board game, then you, you've done the next best thing which is I don't know in some ways a rogue wanting the Star Wars right taking a, a side story yeah. and pulling the good parts of it and uh, and then killing absolutely Jay everybody. just made a
1: positive <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> reference oh, hold on but <laughs> what's happening Here
0: we go. uh, <laughs> what's going on <laughs>
2: is there a flying pig outside <laughs>
0: ignoring of course Every, no <laughs> <laughs> I only did it so middle America would understand and yeah. now <laughs> no um <laughs> america yeah it was an interesting project i think to be introduced to yeah i feel like a lot of games we've been playing lately are like highly thematic which i'm i'm fine with that i love thematic games probably to a fault
1: oh i definitely do yeah (laughs) and i hate on bad artwork sentinels of the multiverse <laughs>
0: we're gonna play it sometime I'm just
1: not no gonna, i'm
0: not What well, i'm going i should like print and play it and just have all the all the words i'll copy it down and be like sean i came up with some rules We should try this game out and be like man that's really fun
3: When's <laughs> that new time stories coming out
0: what yo there's like
3: four of them really yeah dude yeah, play that again I've yeah well thinking if, about you ever, that. if you ever like get together i'm ready i think about it I think about it all the time when I think about board games. Time stories? What's the next time stories coming up? Yeah.
1: I need it. I just saw the copy in Jared's garage <laughs> yesterday. Oh, some other other news. Uh, we
0: will be at Gen Con this year. Uh oh. Four of us, yeah. Um, so myself, Sean, um, Jared and and Michael, who has been on a few podcasts, will be at Gen Con this year. Hope to run a Cthulhu event. Yeah. Or or to
1: Anybody that wants to be harassed, I can provide that
3: service as well.
0: No, but I think it'll be good for Sean and Jared. Um, David has other plans.
3: Yeah. How's it going to be the one week that <laughs> you're already busy? Priorities, yeah, yeah. just like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the 50th year. Anyways, um, no, so Gen Con should be really uh, exciting. Hopefully, we have more things to talk about concerning Cthulhu stuff on our next episode, upcoming episode. Anyways. Some cool developments behind the scenes and everything. Including, by the way, we have recorded <laughs> two two Cthulhu episodes for like literally eight months ago. Um, we just need to, I just need to uh, get it edited and stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, at this point we've all forgotten what's happened, so...
0: I know very clearly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ran through the alleyway and you then Came you back were...
3: out of the dream world or something. Yeah. I mean, spoilers in case... You, you said really it's Garfield taxi on uh, fire for absolutely no day.
0: reason. Right, no, we're back with Garfield
1: saved the day. <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: That's what happened.
1: After you totally <laughs> missed it. <though. laughs> Don't give away average.
2: Yeah. How we not finish this, man. It's been like a year or so. Well... Because we're on episode 26, two years since we were podcasting as <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, No, it's, it's. I don't know how other people do it, honestly. Like, find time to be able to play and talk and yeah. do everything in between. Um, Not have kids. That probably helps. That's yeah. probably why. I think yeah. we're in right in this, like, middle of that worst point where you have young kids. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of other podcasters. Don't have kids, don't have families, or...
1: No, this is a podcast <laughs> I listen to <laughs> yeah, shut up. every week, and he has yeah. two kids. the
3: minute he said that, I was just thinking of a dude who was like, and my second son's on the way. Like, hell, he does seem to release every week.
0: <laughs> no. So, um, Sean and I recently have, have been playing another cooperative game. I don't know. It just seems to work for us.
3: Yeah,
1: it's uh, it was one that I kick-started. Um, it was... I did, too. One dollar pledge. So. um i actually <laughs> okay. hope the physical game it's called fire team zero based on a series of novels in a lovecraftian meets um kind of like special forces yeah. types
2: type of game but world war world war the, ii the first
1: yeah the first it's like a flashback type. yeah flashes back to world war Two in the first novel and then it doesn't go too much into depth about their missions, so this board game actually talks about the aforementioned missions that this group goes on. So if you're thinking um, kind of like Hellboy, where you have a special f- uh, forces group that goes after the occult and supernatural, you know, you have a squad of army people where you know you have a sniper, you have a close combat expert, you have your you know, a little platoon leader. And then you have people, one guy's like an occult sp- specialist, um, and then the other guy's like a sniffer where he can actually smell the Lovecraftian mon- monsters and track them. And, yeah, basically you go into each mission on a different map. The maps are like made up of uh, different tiles. So you can... Uh each mission will give you like the setup, um, what kind of monsters spawn and your objectives on how to clear the mission.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a good game. What's thrown me off, I think, is almost the I don't know, the look of it. Because you're you're playing minis on, on a map with different types of terrain and stuff. So you feel like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be tactical about my positioning and, and things like that. And <laughs> In some ways, it doesn't matter as much because no, it, what, it it, what it feels more like is, is like a skirmish or like like a horde mode. You have constantly, you know, enemies are always spawning. So you defeat an enemy, all it does is uh, makes it spawn in at the end of the round. You know, so you're constantly being bombarded by enemies and being chased around, and, and really, depending on where they spawn in, you're you're only ever you have like one turn basically to.
1: To prep or, yeah.
0: defend to, to fend them off. And um, everything revolves, a little bit of mechanics for you, everything revolves around having cards. So cards act as your health. When you take damage, you discard cards. If you have to discard beyond that, you're knocked down. And But it's also how you attack. So, like, if you're going to, if you know you're going to get attacked, but you, you want to strike first, you better make sure that if I'm going to play three cards to make sure my attack hits, you better... <laughs> You better hit, or else you're you're down to just two health for its counter attack and things. So I I think we played a few games actually this afternoon because we were just getting wrecked over and over. And it, <laughs> it might be because of the the poor character selection. And I think the game does they like handicapped us with like a a horrible character. Yeah. So we we lost like what three in a row this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think it, the game wants you to to act together as a squad. And, and even though. Because you're basically going around uh, searching different locations for your objectives, right? And depending on where they're buried in the stack, that might take quite a while. So you you might think, oh, it makes sense to split up and do certain things. But um, at least for this this mission, mission,
1: yeah, we splitting up just killed us faster.
0: So um, uh, what am I trying to say? It's almost deceiving in in first looking at it. Not necessarily in a bad way, but just be prepared for that when you sit down. It's not necessarily like, again, tactical positioning and, and planning out, oh, I'm going to take cover here, you cover the flank and stuff. No, it's more like... <laughs>
1: it's more like you know the danger is coming. How much risk are you going to put forth? And you're trying to calculate like your survival rate, basically. Exactly.
0: So it's taking me at least a little bit of just... Adapting to it,
1: yeah. And then from the first mission to the current mission, or second mission, the difficulty uh, ramped up quite a bit. And just to give you an idea, so you have uh, specialists, which are oh uh, yeah, the occultist specialist and then the sniffer.
0: So one guy lets you reroll one of your attack dice if you're within one range of him. The other one lets you search as an action for free. Uh, each turn you basically have a movement and an action which you can perform in in any order. You can move, attack. Or action, and then and then even move again if you have more movement left. But these specialists cannot move on their own. You basically drag them around. So in in any other game, its ability would probably just be on a card, and it'd be like pick up this card if you're within range one and drag it along with you. Except in this game, it's like represented, which is I think is an interesting way to like thematically introduce why you might have this ability. But at the same time, if you're not traveling as a pack together, you have to be like. All right, which ability do you want permanently based on, you know, your character weakness and stuff? So there's a lot of customizability. There are, like, focus abilities and, and tactical decisions. All your cards have, have two uh, sides to them, basically, or two halves. <laughs> One half is, is your attacks if you're going to use that, and you can kind of um, them. Com- yeah, combo them together.
1: And you always have a reaction, which you can play. To boost your your allies or you can debuff do a counter, your enemies yeah yeah you know, counter attack so it's actually quite
0: over overwhelming or like a lot of information overload yeah in the beginning because there's so much to read and and so many things to keep track of but um
3: does this build to something <laughs> so is it like an investigation
0: yeah it, it's a campaign so um I, th- I think because of the designer i don't know if he was a writer first probably or yeah or, i think or, the,
1: the books definitely came out before the game did
0: because it's set in this universe, it's very narrative. So there's a lot of flavor text. In, like, your mission briefing, it's all set up with a with a paragraph just describing that. And it,
1: it does a good job of putting you into that. I think... Yeah, even the cards have the flavor text. Like, you'll flip over a card and some creepy stuff, like sc- like something out of our campaign where you find, like, an arm or something. Yeah. It, at times, I think it can be a little
0: too Lovecraftian, as in the author-esque in terms of, like... I don't know. The descriptions being a little, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or or ju- just... I think he did that on purpose. I, I know. But, you know, like, because it's, like, these battle-hardened Marines talking a little, like, too, oh, yeah, we're going to kick these mothers and, you know. Right. Just, like... But at least it's consistent. Mm. So, I guess if you like it, that's fine. You don't. Whatever. It puts you in that mindset and the mood, so... But it, it's one of those. Not a ton of quarterbacking in no. this one either. And
1: once you get over that initial hump of the information overload, it's it quick. flows It flows pretty well. I mean, we were able to play,
0: yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's because we gave up by, like, turn two. We We're like, yeah, we're <laughs> dead. We're going to start over. Um, but, the, but the game moves very, very quickly. Like, more so than pandemic and stuff. It's just nobody else sees your cards, you know, and there's so much information on it. It's basically, I can help you with this or... I'm gonna try to take out this guy, and, and that's about it. Or can you help me?
1: Yeah, that resolves en- enemies move, they attack, and then you you do your cycle thing. Through again. Yeah.
0: But it is a campaign style game. There's a ton of minis um, included in it. So far, we've only
1: had like we five. We've really played f- like four minis, and two of them are like the same sculpt. So yeah. yeah. But I think there are different
0: abilities and things to unlock. One interesting thing about it. So as the game progresses, there's what's called twists, and there's four of them. But basically, after a couple of turns, the enemies unlock a permanent ability, which makes them better. So
1: yeah, it's kind of like the pandemic legacy thing, where once you hit a certain point, <laughs> you get screwed over somehow. Okay. Um, so yeah, it has that kind of mechanic. But yeah, um, it plays pretty quick. Um, I like the theme. It's kind of like a more more of an action, Lovecraftian theme. It, yeah, it captures like the atmosphere of the books. Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: looking forward to finishing it. I think that's something. I think we want to try to play through what each cycle campaign. Yeah. Is like I don't know a handful of missions. I think we want to play through at least one of them before we record or something. That way we have the rules down. Yeah. Correctly and everything, but each, I guess, setting each campaign has its own set of uh, enemies and they attack and.
1: Yeah, there's definitely different, different monsters, um, like different types of monsters, like a whole family that we haven't even touched yet. There's like at least two, two more. Mm-hmm. And
0: I think it's a, it's a game where the having the, having the books, having the world outside of, or exist in a, a different media.
1: It even comes with a, a CD with like music yeah. to play in the background. Oh, that's cool. Get you into it.
0: But I. I feel like it helps sometimes, especially with new IPs or, like, things that you... I feel like it helps when it, when it's tied to something else, um, even if it's... I, I think back to uh, Uncharted, which has obviously established itself as a pillar a of PlayStation gaming. Anyways, um, but, like, thinking back to the first Uncharted, everyone's like, "Uh, is this Tomb Raider or Indiana Jones or, you know, like, having no... Nothing really established, you know? But then, I don't know. See, because Last of Us just came out with,
1: like... But there's uh, that's a... That was built on the Goodwill of Uncharted, though.
3: That, and... I mean, it's survival or, you know... So you get a... I mean, it's different. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Resident Evil 4 would be more along the lines of... Something that's different that you start playing and you're like... Hmm. Like, this is different from what I expected, you know? Yeah, yeah F-
1: Fireteam does... It does have the theme, like... It makes the theme feel more
0: real, or, like, there's more to explore about it instead of... I, I can tell myself that reading the flavor text is telling this great story and stuff, but um, being able to actually read those stories or, or know that they're, they're out there.
3: I mean, I think it helps, like, just... I like thematic games, and maybe it's just because I like stories, but it could also be because... The better a theme is, and the better it's executed, the more I pay attention to the game. It's easier to get into a game with a good theme because it draws you in. Yeah, and, and like if it can integrate its rules also, then you you learn the game, and it feels different as you play it, as you learn it. It doesn't feel like like any good like classroom. It doesn't feel like you're learning when you're you know really learning something. You know, you're just drawn into it, and it just organically grows on you
0: for sure for sure i mean everyone everyone who tries to argue like theme isn't important i always say like pandemic would be nowhere near as popular as it is now if it was about weeding or getting weeds out of your garden or like snipping branches out of your bonsai tree you know like <laughs> there's there's a reason it's popular because it's something identifiable or, or translates well enough and
1: uh, yeah and this game like all the characters that you can pick from and like the monsters are straight out of the books, which is kind of cool to see them, you know, in mini form. Yeah,
0: let's talk a little bit more about it. Um, but Dean does have to take off, yeah. so he has some uh, final words for you. Go ahead. You can tell him how much he loves Suicide Squad. So it's okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think he just did. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: he's he's uh, currently writing "Damaged" on his uh...
2: Jay is just projecting his own love of the movie. <laughs> Yo, he, what, he's, he's starting. While I was
0: watching that movie. I was like, man, there are some parts of the movies I'm just I'm gonna like just because it's Suicide Squad and I get to see him disappoint me.
2: Yeah, he, he's, he's starting his own Suicide <laughs> Squad the shrine gotcha. next to his Star Wars shrine.
0: I hope we get to see Secret Six, you know, for the sequel. Yo, you know, Bane would be hilarious because they'd give him that English accent,
1: like, <laughs> like in Lego Battle. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to take off. Good luck hanging out with the rest these guys for the rest of the time. See you later.
0: No, but continue on. Um, I'm I'm glad we're kind of talking about this more. But so uh, another f- interesting thing about this game, like each. There's basically four classes of heroes. You have a marksman, yeah. a leader, uh demolitions, and close combat expert. Yeah. Each one of them, you have your own unique deck of cards that you play out of. So you have no shared really kind of abilities. So they're all tailored around your, your skills and abilities. So obviously yeah, close combat expert, it's it's rare to find things that can perform within like a far range. Mm-hmm. Well the marksman obviously you have you can hit people like four range away and everything um demolitions i'm not a huge fan of but uh, <laughs> that's what's been killing us in the second <laughs> i feel like he, <laughs> he sucks <laughs> there's basically like three types of um attacks so you have range with bullets you have you have uh melee with punching it, It's, or it's a fist symbol. Yeah. yeah and then you have explosives well so, you can imagine that Marksman will generally have a lot of bullets and very few other attacks. Close combat, very, a lot of punching. Well, Demolitions has, like, everything. But they're all, like, mediocre. You know? Okay. Marks- like,
1: Marksman actually has everything, but it's, like, really good.
0: Yeah, but your Marksman is stuff is really good. Like, rolling Even the four close dice. combat
1: stuff is really good.
0: Well, I feel like <sighs> this explosives guy just, like... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just
1: playing him wrong or i don't i'll play him next time i'll show you how it's done yeah
0: maybe and maybe just going more for the comboing and uh because again you have to balance this like aggression and in, in defense and stuff but i am looking forward to hopefully more more variety and stuff like the first mission as you search the different areas which there's always 12 of them randomly scattered throughout throughout the map You'll have like two or three, you have three objectives. Two, yeah, two to three objectives that, that you'll pick up. And sometimes it's, oh, I flip over the card and this happens. So it, it changes the gameplay, at least for that turn. Or or for one of them, it was like, you need to kill an enemy, but not like overkill it while the specialist is with you. So you can take samples to try to find an infection.
1: So there's there's little like. Yeah, there's little alterations here and there to give it some variety.
0: Yeah. All the while having these these monsters get at you, so, and that might be a thing with since we've only played it with two players or with two heroes each, we we've, we've never tried it with, you know, four of them together. And I don't know how much because in some other games like like Pandemic, it increases the rate of infection and stuff. Yeah, with this, it increases.
1: It increases the amount that's spawned.
0: So, I don't know if that how much it increases the difficulty. So it's it's something to see. Because I know uh, other games that are, let's say, play to four players are, are generally balanced around four players. They just happen to play two as well.
1: So. Welcome.
0: I was hoping Mike would be on this episode. I'm sure we'll get him again. We're recording on the, not the not the best part of town, I guess. So Mike was like, eh, I'm going to stay away.
3: It's just even bad. You just hear sirens, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sirens where I live. Well, I live near a fire station. But. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a fire station. <laughs> um,
0: anyways, for years, he was telling me to to play this game called called Netrunner, Android Netrunner. It's a living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. And I would always blow him off like, eh. He's like, oh, it's really cool on The Matrix. I'm like, dude, it's a card game. And he's like, oh, like it's cyberpunk. It's really. I'm like, and he hates The Matrix too, by the way.
1: Anyways, <clears throat> I'm sure just, you guys will love Ghost in the Shell. Oh, dude, looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> I need to make a, like a list of all these like what I hope to get Oscar.
3: You know, just you know they will. Though. Oh, dude, <laughs> it was going to be inverse to how terrible that movie is.
0: So great! It's a trend I love. Pretty sure. Yes. Episode one. What? Episode one. Uh, Oscar nominated. Pretty sure.
3: Yeah, I think it was.
0: Yeah, day. best animated character, Jar Jar Binks.
3: <laughs> best actor. Best actor. <laughs> best supporting actor, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, they said kids loved him. But I guess I was just <laughs> old enough.
0: So, anyways, um, Netrunner. Finally played it. And he, he got me to try a few different living car games. So, speaking of Star Wars, like I tried I tried the Star Wars. Okay,
1: so, yes, Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah! It was nominated for Best Sound, Sound Effects, okay. and Visual Effects. Wow. That means Jar Jar Binks <laughs> was nominated. But he didn't win. <laughs> no. That's what
3: counts. Okay.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, okay. So I tried the Star Wars one for whatever reason. It didn't click with me, like because
1: it was s- Star Wars. No, I,
0: I really want to try it because I heard really good things. But it was, I felt it almost forced you into playstyle. I don't know if we ever, if we ever play Star Wars sometime, we can, we can talk about it. Whatever. I, I tried it a few times. It just didn't work. But for whatever reason, after the first time I played Run, I just couldn't stop thinking about like how that game worked, and what i really i think appreciate about it is how thematic it is is able to be but also how the asymmetrical nature of it really lends to a unique style of gameplay wherein if you've never played netrunner before it's different than let's say magic or or any of the other card games out there because like the corporation and runner are completely different so you you basically are like a hacker the runners trying to infiltrate giant mega corporations right this is a couple decades into the future maybe even centuries purpose of the game is to score agendas or steal agendas so the trick is agendas only exist in the corporation's deck so like there's there's literally no it's all about interaction the the whole game at least in in concept is, is all about interaction and so the corporation is building up like defenses um with cards called ice you know they essentially act as firewalls to protect against different things while the runner is building their rig yeah i don't know so i've just been it's just really interesting to me how how like the game works it's all about bluffing like the corporation all its cards come in face down so you literally have no information until you interact with it so it's just constant cat and mouse and uh, using magic t- terminology, you have no instance really. There's not like I'm reacting you with a card out of hand, but everything's laid out in a way on the table so that you're you're prepped beforehand to react. So
1: it's like traps. Yeah. And Yu-Gi-Oh.
3: <laughs> it is kind of like that though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Fantasy Flight, I think does a good job of trying to create. These worlds and universes, you know, whether that being taking other IPs like milking the Star Wars IP or I mean, for a long time, they had the Warhammer one. They made a living card game and other things.
1: Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, Game of Thrones, you know, but designing a whole bunch of games within that framework. So Netrunner is is the most famous one, but it takes place in this Android universe, which uh, there was a game called Android, Android Infiltration. There's Android Mainframe, which... And the newest one, um, New Angeles, supposed to be actually people are comparing it like a better version of Battlestar Galactica board game. I don't know. I I wanted to bring it up just because I've I've been watching a ton of videos and and just uh, even started playing online. There's a nice like free, Really, there's a free web based, you know, it it runs in, but in browser, you can even play it on an iPad or something. Hmm. Not officially sanctioned, but I mean, it's it's cool because you can basically copy and paste the deck list into there and just run it and try some crazy things out. So I am bringing it up because uh, we've talked about there's a new two player like legacy ish game coming out for it, but I think it's designed to bring newer players into it. So with the living card game model, you usually buy a whole bunch of different expansion packs to keep up with the card pool with this. All you need is a core set and this new expansion and you'll play through a little campaign that runs multiple games. All the cards in it are tournament legal, but I think if you're a new player who has just been gifted or maybe picked up Netrunner, you're like, I have no idea what to do next. There's a lot of game, I think, in the core set, but it's like, I want to do something else with it. Now we have other expansions to do stuff. So I'm interested, again, just to see that design space. I feel like the living card game, it's difficult because it, it gets to a point where the barrier to entry is, is huge, right? Because at first it sounds cool. It's like, oh, all you got to do is buy this this corset, right? <laughs> because compared to Magic, even, Magic, you don't have necessarily a core set. It's like you just have to keep buying to get the decks you want and stuff like that. But with with a game like this, it's like, well, oh, only two expansions have been released. Each one's $15. That's fine. And then four years later, that's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't tell the wife. You just did that. Just said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on. Man. Yo, you can must You mean you sold out? Uh, and even then, it's cheaper than magic. But uh, I, I think this is a good way to get new players into it and provide just a different experience. Some people might never even play the campaign and just be like, "I want the new cards," and and that's it. But I think for other players who Hopefully, it's a unique experience that's that's fun. But that's me just gushing about it. I don't know. You both of you have played it. Not a ton, but no, probably I mean, just
3: initial yeah. impressions and stuff. I liked it. Um, I think I would like it better playing it again. There's probably a few things about how I was playing. Well, there are a lot of things about the way I was playing that were not great. But any game like that that's asymmetrical, I, I don't know. It's fun because, yes, you're playing against... <laughs> you're playing you're using the theme to play against the other person and how and what and what they bring to their character, you know, compared to what you bring to your character. So especially with the corporation, that feeling of setting things up based on how the other person is playing, to say, Oh well, I mean, you do have trap cards, so it's like, you know, <laughs> oh you activated my but knowing, watching what they're doing and knowing when you put the card down, that you're like, this is the one, that's gonna do it, you know, and you to, to just, I don't know, like that, that feeling of strategy as you play something like, if you have like a normal, not a normal deck builder, but I'll say Resident Evil again because it's just uh, it's one it's one that I like that is fun, but it is easy to relate to. You gear up, you go into the mansion, you kill the thing, you come out. It's all built on that, but. With games like Netrunner, it's, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm trying to get at here, just, it's more than just powering, you know, getting the most powerful cards and playing them all, because I had a ton of powerful cards, but I couldn't really use them because I hadn't strategically built up to using them. It's kind of knowing how to play early, mid, and late, and stuff like that, not just going all out at one point to do something, you know, so... Or, I mean, you could do that set up for just one kill shot, you know, that that there's so many ways to go about doing something based on what you think your opponent's going to do. It's just, I mean, it's just fun. It's fun every time, I think, because it can always be different depending on your opponent, depending on the cards you get, depending on how they've to play, you know. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: I think there, there are two things very telling about the game in, in terms of game design. First, that... What faction you play as in, in the card you choose is called an identity, you know, because I think you really build around its its ability and everything. So, you know, you adapt that play style and, and having a card that all it does is tell you how yeah. how you should act, you know, um, is an interesting concept. And the other one, um, the Netrunner rulebook, you know, it has like a, a full page dedicated to each one of those factions just to... It's fluff, you know. It's it's literally just story, but puts you in that mindset, like, oh, I like how this sounds or this is described. So, if I play this faction, it'll it'll feel like that. I mean, it's it's really getting you into that game. Again, knowing out there there are novels and things like that published, just taking place in this world, really helps build on that theme.
1: Yeah, I like the I like the engine building aspect of it where. You know, it's like if you're an RPG, you're getting your loadout perfect with your gear, um, your weapons and all that. Where, like, you know, when you go into battle, you know, you have everything covered. Your defense is covered. You have high attack and whatever. is And, like, with Netrunner, like, yeah, if you're playing one side, you can build up your engine to have, like, you know, a good generation of money coming in. You have, a, you know, good attack power to penetrate through through ice and other stuff. And you're either yeah adapting and reacting to your opponent or you're building something powerful enough to try to force them into playing playing by your style. So, yeah, it, it's fun to do the combos and set up where you're just kind of forcing your will on the opponent. So, yeah, I'm sure
0: we'll uh, talk more about it when Terminal Directive finally comes out.
1: It'll be so good that Mike will come to the bad side of town. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. He'll make, us
0: <laughs> He'll make us go to his office. But, uh...
4: Welcome to the future. Welcome to Android Netrunner.
0: Yeah, but definitely check it out. I think Living Car Game is such a weird space because I feel like the designers want it to be this magic type game and it does have a competitive scene like that, but in some ways, it's hard to sell or market or or find that the audience. If
1: it's uh, yeah, you have to have a dedicated fan base to to keep that going.
0: And I think one of the
1: the issues is like, how do
0: you start that if you have a, such a strong magic community, and how do you get people into to a game? Because like, I'm more of a person who plays. I feel like for fun, you know, getting people to enjoy the time. And that's why I like cooperative games so much because you, you lose together as a team or, or it's not so like cutthroat, you know. But some people are just, especially competitive players, who, I mean, that's that's all they are. And they can't, they almost can't play when it's casual, right. when there are no stakes involved. But then having to cater to that, but also like we want new players too. So we have to make it fun and inviting and accessible. Yeah, I think that's,
1: that's almost on the responsibility of the store and the judge to strike that balance because yeah it's usually usually like the neckbeards they're the ones that get to the really competitive like uh stage and they they can't go back and I totally understand that I understand that mindset where um yeah if you don't have that constant um challenge it's hard to go back to someone that's like a novice but yeah you're gonna Neckbeards that do that can kill the scene. It Doesn't matter what game it is; it can kill the scene at a store.
0: But I think the harder thing with card games is how do you? Because so you come from a HeroClix background, you can yeah set a scenario and limit figures and do things, and you have the kind of the variety to do that.
1: No, but like even with that, if you have a neckbeard that's trying to break whatever the you know the scenario that the judge set up for the tournament. And especially if it's a casual tournament with no big prizes,
0: but I'm saying like in, it, mag- in Magic, there's no casual
1: tournament. That's why I don't play Magic.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There, yeah. There's literally you—you you almost cannot design even a, a f- if you were like casual tournament. Term- you're saying. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think in that design space, like Netrunner, they've tried to do things to make it more beginner friendly. There's different, maybe a different format, but because that's not its core design it's hard to make those fun or, or fulfilling besides a, a little like a side note you know with magic you have you have a format called commander or, or edh that has gained enough popularity that, that wizards has published official support for it but that o- almost remains like a casual format there is a competitive version of it but the rules and, and everything around it just uh they were able to a- adopt enough of a following and it worked within the context of, of the greater magic community. So that, I mean, you hear it all the time when people are playing, like, why are you wasting your time with that? Or these people, I mean, that's that's their preferred way of magic. Now, I guess in saying all that, I'm hoping that Netrunner finds a format that is where it's like, oh, I can just have fun and build these decks, right? What I what I always try to explain to um because magic is... A, I think a card game is very different from a board game. When you buy a board game, you're like, oh, this this can play four different people out of the box, right? While if you buy Warhammer or something, you know, you're buying an army or a specific faction. You're not buying I can't sit down and play with six of my friends unless we all shell out some money. Right. Um, even with with magic, you know, unless you've you've built up that that card base. But the way what they've tried to do with this, the core set of Netrunner is like, oh, you can play. It only plays two people, but you have a lot of these different faction and different options for deck building, or even Hero Clicks, You know, you yeah. buy a brick, you could, you
1: could, you yeah, could play four, four clicks, people out of that You easy. can, you can build a competitive team with not shelling out a lot of money. Exactly.
0: You know, and and have fun with those miniatures. And
1: I think you need that for the for someone that's just getting into the game.
0: It's just a very hard design space, and I think some of the. Comp- Plaints, at least from the competitive community, is like, well, you just have to juggle so many things when you're releasing a competitive game rather than a board game. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, we gotta make sure Catan, the wood is balanced against the wheat and right. you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that OP sheep, what? <laughs> um
1: <clears throat> I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I
0: obviously know I like catan. <laughs>
1: Catan is jay's favorite board game right behind monopoly there
0: there is actually a a world like a world championship tournament for Catan. yeah i can
3: see that i guess right
0: but they don't design it for that people just you know play it to the degree where they want to yeah so i don't know i think it's probably tough on on designers too because designing a board game that plays multiple players because you want bigger player base It's harder to do than just designing single figures and and things like that, right? Because I bought enough D&D attack wing stuff so that we could play these um, free-for-alls or like these team battles with unique figures, but that's not really what it's designed necessarily to do. I guess i will share a little bit um about the cthulhu thing so a few months weeks anyways chaosium publisher of call of cthulhu rpg had a writing contest um just to submit a short 300 word pitch to um for their convention scenarios for this year so i've had an idea kicking around for a little bit and i'm like well 300 word pitch is a lot easier than like a you know Thirty thousand yeah. words. Not as area. Anyway, it was doable, so I'm like, well, might as well. You know, what am I trying to say? You don't have to invest as much in a 300 word scenario than you do. Yeah. Like, oh, here's my you know 32 page campaign or 300 page yeah. campaign <laughs> booklet. Just throw the ideas out there because I think it helps you know refine your own ideas too, and. We were lucky enough to be one of the ones selected to go to the next stage or phase. So working on that, um, I think even if we don't officially get selected at the end, it'll at least we'll have uh, something out there that people can play. It'll be available on the Cult of Chaos if you're part of that organization, or who knows, could use it down the road. or At least it'll be something that we can run uh, if you ever play one of our events. I have a couple more weeks to finish that up and and get that back to them for review so yeah hopefully um something comes from that if not it'll just be uh another scenario we'll record and won't publish so <laughs> so yeah i know we talked a lot of games this week not as much tv or shows
1: uh tv or movies which jay is very happy about i
0: love playing games what can i say I think next time we will try to cover a lot of these movies that have come out that we've talked about. Logan. Lego Batman. Lego Batman. Power Rangers.
1: Kong.
3: Kong. I think I'm going to watch Iron Fist. I don't want to, but it's out there. I've watched every other one. I might yeah. as well watch this sure, one. Yeah, you and Jared
0: can talk about it. Um we'll probably talk about Beauty and the Beast. I, don't know. I mean, everyone's watching it. Whatever.
1: It's made like what over 170 million. Yeah, it's at Disney, like, like it's—is it that good? Like, what's so good? I don't know. I don't know. I heard it's not as good as with with animated. The
3: it's one? not as good as the animated one.
0: Like. like, I just I don't I don't get like uh, it's it's nostalgia like a huge part of it. You know. Uh, I mean, it, like two years ago, the musical came. The like the live musical came to Wartan Center. I'm just like. It's fine, but
3: eh. yeah, yeah. I guess I have no great desire to see remakes of certain things. I did. I mean, I saw the Lion King, but it's not like I bought tickets. Somebody gave me a ticket. But even then, I was one. like,
0: yeah, a little overhyped, you know. Yeah, I, like the lion costumes are cool, but then when Timon and Pumbaa came out,
3: I imagine it was something that was probably much cooler when it was in New York, whatever you know, where when it started.
0: Man, it feels like someone's just lazy. Like, <laughs> yo, what if instead of designing sets we just gave you costumes and we said our costumes are like the set.
1: I mean the set was what, just an
3: orange yeah, thing. It was just colors. It was just yeah. colors. It would change to green and purple. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Just um, lazy. Yeah, I I mean it's a Disney movie. So Backside, going back to Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> it's a Disney movie, so I imagine that's part of the reason it's successful. But I, I guess I don't understand. Uh, it almost seems cynical. I'll put it that way. If you are Disney, a Disney exec, you are like, "How do we make some money today? Why don't we just remake one of our most popular movies, but live action?" Okay and you just go out there and do it, and you know you're going to make $170 million or however much they've made already. they're just printing money. You know, so it's just like... Yeah, I'm not a fan of remakes, but I did enjoy Jungle Book and Cinderella. But that was actually apparently a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, that. I think that matters. If, If there's something to remake about it that can improve on it, that's one thing. If you're just... Well, like, Cinderella, though, it's... It didn't even
1: really change anything. It was just really well done by Kenneth Branagh. Um, I don't so, think
3: I've ever seen that. Yeah, and mm-hmm.
1: then, but then again, you have Maleficent, which was horrible, and you know, don't don't retcon stuff, please.
3: Just I didn't watch any of those. Was that was she part of the? No, I'm thinking. Of,
0: you didn't uh, watch Snow White and
3: Huntsman. Huntsman. Yeah, that's what I'm. Thinking. No, that that's a different studio. <laughs> okay, weren't those both terrible
1: though? Uh. I've only watched the first one which was horrible and I heard the second one was worse. worse yeah, so.
2: okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? Take on
4: two evil sisters and their entire army. I, pretty much. I
0: don't know. I, I, wish, I wish Disney would take a risk. I feel like when they do, I mean, all their movies are successful, but, like, people like it
1: even more. Like the... <laughs> like the racism they put in the, the original Jungle Book and Aladdin? That t- kind of risk? No. You know what
3: I mean, the, Yeah. Not actually.
1: <laughs> no, what... Well, well, okay, so, no, honestly, like, what kind of risks have they taken, like, in the past... Orig- in original twenty five years?
0: And, you know, anything that Pixar has done, even though they use the same formula, they...
1: That's not a risk, though. Disney just bought Pixar. <laughs>
0: no, Pixar, I, know, what I mean. But when Pixar yeah. started, that was the risk. Yeah. That was like, okay, we're going to do something commuter animated and go away. It's not going to be a musical. It doesn't have songs. It's not based on an existing fable or, or, or fairy tale that, that's out there. It's not Hans Christian Anderson. We're going to just take an original story and, and look, it worked for so many of Pixar's things. Because Pixar wasn't just trying to, I think, recreate, you know what I mean? Because yeah. even if you're adapting a story, you're, you're essentially recreating something that already exists, right? Because if, if you look at that, it was what it hits up to, like, Mulan, Pocahontas. And after that, they just didn't know what to do with themselves. No, and that's when Pixar took over. And what would be their comeback, right? Tangled, Enchanted, I don't
1: know, one of those.
0: But outside of, I think, their...
1: Yeah, Enchanted and, and might be the biggest... Risk, I think, because they were making fun of, yeah, yeah, themselves. In yeah, a it was kind of meta. Right. Yeah, and Frozen in, in, I don't know. no, like objectively, Frozen. It came back. It's to so their... disjointed and such a weird movie. Like, yeah, I think it's the theme song alone. That's why it's so popular.
0: Yeah. but they they tried to recreate. I think some of what was giving them success in the, in the '90s with their animated stuff. Let's let's put female characters. In the lead with songs that catchy tunes and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Princess but now, formula. When, you're, when you're literally making movies that were already popular, like, yeah. just because of the new technology, <laughs> that's like the definition of, of lazy, of a
3: definition. You know, completely regressed. It, limp,
1: limp in Moana.
3: <laughs> I didn't. I, look, um, I've seen Moana, we bought it. So I have <laughs> yeah. seen Moana so many times. Like 15, they've shown us his tattoo. right now. I have never seen see, <laughs> his moana tattoo on it. 15 honey. times, like I like Moana, but Moana is a <laughs> tight movie, it's an hour and a half, it's very quick, it's very simple. Like, there's not much of a risk there, Good. though. It's like, very in safe, terms it's, of, yeah. It's safe, right? Yeah,
0: what did I just watch It was like not necessarily I don't want to say it was out there, uh, Song of the Sea or whatever. It's from that, um. This studio, they did like the Book of Kells or Secret of Kells or whatever. Anyway, is, is it French? Some, I don't know. This or one was really Irish. Irish. Yeah. But like very, oh, yeah. very cool art style. Very, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's probably more akin to Coraline or like just a dark or Kubo, you know, one of those. One I'm not saying see. it needs to
1: be dark or edgy
0: to be successful or, or good or, or to be risky, but they, they just took like a.
1: Yeah, like I was I was upset that Zootopia took be- oh best God. animated. Yeah, I, I was
0: actually pissed about that. cuz like
1: it's like, you know, nothing how many people have to kiss Disney's ass like <laughs> No, seriously, it's I feel like nothing happened in that movie. I don't know. No, nothing did.
0: I watched it and it was like uh, it was
1: it was very generic
3: and like forgettable like um it had a few good moments. <laughs> but I I think it was the kind of it was middle. It, it was no the <laughs> America. Yeah. No, it was the it was the theme that I think had it win. But I didn't see I don't know who, who was it up against? It was ups against like Kubo, which so I that's the one that I hear is really, really good that I haven't been able to see yet because it's not but yeah. It's got Matthew McConaughey, man. It's supposed to be a selling point. I but, mean, it but is
0: it now. wasn't. It wasn't. white <laughs> savior. So, uh, yeah. it was, yeah. <laughs> So I can't win. Yeah. But they're just. I, I don't know. I love established IPs. I don't buy anything licensed. Like, I'm a sucker for licenses, but at the same time, I appreciate original ideas. Um, if they if they try to take it and and not just make it necessarily derivative of something, right? So it, it feels like a modern classic, or it feels like it has history, or it feels like it has. It's based on something that one of these fables or something, but right. it's it's not. You know, it's it's modern or even Moana. In some ways, I like that they're they're taking these lesser known right, yeah. mythologies and doing something with it. Maybe they they popified it a little too much, but the idea of the story, there
3: were yeah, and I think that's what I liked about it mm-hmm. is that when I was sitting there watching it. <laughs> It was like I'm watching something different from what I normally get. Yes, it's still the Disney princess, still something like that, but it's not the type of fable I'm used to or grew up with. So, even, yeah, even mining different cultures, which I guess I'm going to regret saying. Probably fairly soon. Like, man, look at what Disney did to this culture. Awful, you know. But even, (laughs) even doing that and bringing that to the screen, like, that is an improvement. But again, like, it's not really thinking outside the box, you know. But Disney, much like Marvel, has which is owned by Disney. Yeah, has a nice safe (laughs) box. Like, can I make a bunch of money inside this box?
0: Yeah, I know. I think that's. Again, what's frustrating is that I feel like take take one, like be like Michael Bay and make a Pain and Gain, you know? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah.
3: Look, Pain and Gain is a terrible movie. I love Pain and Gain. Exactly. I love it, yeah. I've, n- I've never that's met funny. a person who didn't
0: like that movie. And then, especially if they don't know it's Michael Bay. Like, what? Like, it is, you know, but it's the one you talk about because it yeah. doesn't feel like him. And, and who knows why he did that? He didn't have to, though, you know? And I think that's
1: yeah, I think it's more. Yeah, if he can do a passion project that exactly. that shows that he still has another side of himself,
0: I think that's that's why I like watching Nolan movies because it feels like he's just swinging for the fences. Yeah, and if he doesn't get the home run, he doesn't care. At least he tried for it. And I mean, they're always different. Yeah, you know, you'll get
3: something out of it. Yeah, yeah. it's like
1: Disney. Let's go for the, the bun or that.
0: Yeah,
3: <laughs> you know, just walk them.
1: throw throw four balls and walk the guy
3: i mean which is sad because disney has all these resources at its command that if it put it into just
1: yeah it's just
3: spin off a division
1: somewhere it's just like go do everything's just yeah so cookie cutter like every marvel movie's cookie cutter when you
0: i feel like when you think back to like those movies that really launched him in the 90s it feels more like they were yeah. They were going for these things, right? Yeah, they like, were going big. Like,
1: where did Aladdin come from, or, or, or Lion King? Beast, you know, yeah. like even though well, you, Lion you could, King came from Japan. It was Kimba and the White Lion <laughs> that they totally <laughs> they stole. On <laughs> no, the Japanese studio didn't want to <laughs> sue them in court because they would lose. Yeah, even though they're thieves. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Like, and then the Pixar ones. As much as I hate on it, like what they did with. Toy Story or, or The Incredibles. It's just certain things like that. It's like, who knows? Maybe they tried. Wasn't... What was that Brad Bird one?
1: Incredibles? Tomorrow mm. Tomorrowland. Oh, Tomorrowland. Land. Yeah. Maybe that was <laughs> their risk. Yeah, he's yeah. not directing any more live
3: action after that. I mean, that's just one flop for right? him. Yeah, he did Mission Impossible. He's, that was good.
1: That was with Paramount, though.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, you hope they'll take a risk, but I understand movies are expensive, but, nah, middle America, I mean, that's, but that's who they're making movies for. Yeah. They're making movies for people who don't really look at movies, and obviously we look at movies, yeah, you know, we oh, look at Jay, the media. I just thought of,
1: if we can make our podcast more cookie cutter, maybe oh, we'll get right. more <laughs> listeners. Hey guys, today we're going to be talking about Settlers of Catan, yeah.
0: four <laughs> pillars of board gaming.
3: Nothing against Settlers of Catan. It's one of the first no, board games I played. Against Settlers of Catan. It's just, you know. Oh, no,
0: let's check what else is on board game
3: No, I I know we're not like. If you're still listening to this, <laughs> yeah. we are way far yeah. away from yeah.
0: where our, we started. Our in-depth discussion about <laughs>
3: <laughs> we
1: are now getting negative <laughs> listenership.
0: <laughs> no, I don't like to bash on games, but I feel like for me it's it's interesting trying to find that course all the games we talked about are like right (laughs) popular ones but in some ways it's fine it's it's fun to find that one that you like just because of the theme or or some mechanic and just you know something that draws you back to it because everything if everything is just derivative of the other then well you know what's the point or we've mentioned a a few times sporadically just about game design and uh my head is really in that space and I, I really do hope to put out a, a game that is fun or it has an interesting idea behind it I'm not going to say it's going to be the best game out there or you know just something that that I, I'm going to want to enjoy that I really like the theme of and build some interesting mechanics and I think there's some solid ideas unexplored ideas out there not just for myself but from other companies and stuff so I hope board games you know I always check Kickstarter because I'm hoping for that, that next idea that that deserves a shot. Um, so one day, we'll get ours out there when someone has probably already used that idea because <laughs> it took too long to get to it.
1: No, nah, man. We can just Lion King it, <laughs> Make more money on it. That's
3: one business strategy. Race what? What?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Kimball was white, so they actually... <laughs>
0: Anyways, yeah. Sorry for that long (laughs) tangent. (laughs) (laughs) But in some ways, I don't know. I I feel like I'm glad we're able to talk about how would you say it? Discourse informed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I I think that's important. We're fans of stuff, but in some ways, I think we're we're critics as well, and not just to. I mean, we can hate on things to to do it. Oh, I I totally hate on things. But I I like being able to deconstruct it and, and take a look at what makes it work because um, being a consumer being a retailer and being a designer i think yeah and even space like where-
1: even the internet where you you get constant like unending underserved praised or you get the opposite like just constant total hate there should be a balance of yeah. stuff well
3: it's almost being able to articulate what is mm-hmm. wrong or right with something you know that's Which never happens on Twitter. Well, that's what good criticism is. It's not not necessarily that you, the reviewer, are correct. It's just your opinion. But being able to break down your opinion into this is what I like and this is why I like this part is what it's about. Like, the internet is just like stupid. It's It's reactionary. Yeah, it's reactionary
1: and like explosive and emotional without any of the critical
3: analysis of anything yeah it's like rarely is anything as bad or as good as things are made out to be on the internet they're mostly you know some good yeah it's either 100 percent
1: or the worst thing ever so yeah yeah. so we're better than all of the internet
3: pretty much (laughs) that's what we've just concluded
0: be sure to check our next episode where we break down beauty and the beast for you by a no but we'll, we'll have fun talking about some of these movies i think we really enjoy not just gaming but but all these other things that's how we can speak yeah. to them as we are that said that's why you should all watch oscar winner suicide squad so make sure um <laughs> you know we should totally watch that together david we can make it i know him, well the, we the minute, the track, minute huh? i
3: can get it on demand I know I'm gonna watch it. Like it's it's a yeah. foregone conclusion at this point. I, I wanna watch it He's so bad. Oh my god. I'm serious, I'm already mad at myself. I haven't even watched it yet. I know I'm gonna get to the end of it and say, Why did I even do that to myself? <laughs> but here it is. This is how, this is how I felt about Batman versus Superman going into it, just knowing that at the end I was be like, Why? It's what a similar type that? of pain. <laughs> but yeah, stay tuned. Um
0: We'll get those two episodes out to you um, sometime in 2017.
1: And book your Gen Con trip so uh, you can meet us in person.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to that. Keep playing games, though. Watch some of these movies. Uh, get a hold of us through Facebook, Twitter, at Out of Space Games, Out of space Games at gmail.com. Or check us out on YouTube. We're publishing some more unboxings. And... We'll get some play sessions out there now that we got another editor helping out.
1: Yeah, and let us know how we can improve on our tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. My name
0: is Jay. I'm David. And I'm Sean. This is Outer Space Games. So we'll catch you next time.